Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Lucy Hickmott. It's Friday the 15th of November coming up. Food Hall bringing more businesses to High Street. If we can actually do this then we can still remain one of the key shopping towns as well as an event town in the whole of the UK. Kent could soon be producing red wine. We are not trying to copy uh, what has been done in France. We are trying to do something uniquely British, but very good. And, you know, we have good wines coming from a lot of different countries in the world. Why not from Britain? And in football, Gillingham get ready to host Lincoln City. They're full of good players. I know a lot of them and, and they'll be fierce and tough opponents. Kent Online News. First today, a man who reversed his car seat into a Gravesend woman's three-year-old son, crushing him to death, is starting a seven-and-a-half-year prison sentence. Alfie Lamb died in hospital three days after it happened in South London in February 2018. 26-year-old Stephen Waterson previously admitted manslaughter. Alfie's mum, 24-year-old Adrian Hoare, has already been convicted of child cruelty and is serving more than two years in jail. We now know exactly exactly who will be standing for seats across Kent in the general election. Candidate lists have been released and while the main parties are putting someone up in every constituency, there are a few surprises. The Green Party have pulled out of the race in Canterbury and so have the Brexit Party, despite Nigel Farage insisting they would join the fight. The Lib Dems have had to find someone new after their candidate for the city stepped down to give Labour's Rosie Duffield a better chance of retaining her seat. A Cat called Stan is also going for MP in Gillingham and Raynham. You can see who's standing in your area at kentonline.co.uk. Kent Online reports. Police investigating a sexual assault in Maidstone have released a CCTV image of a man they want to speak to. A woman in her late teens told officers she was attacked by a man she'd met in a bar as they were walking through Brenchley Gardens in the early hours of Sunday. You can see the picture at kentonline.co.uk. Mystery still surrounds the death of a diver who went missing off the Kent coast. 42-year-old Ben Moss disappeared while scuba diving between Warmer and St Margaret's at Cliff in March last year. His body's never been found. An inquest has heard he was seasick before going into the water and may have vomited while under. A coroner's recorded an open verdict. A new food hall in West Kent is being hailed a success after boosting the number of people visiting the town. Ely Court in Tunbridge Wells is said to have increased footfall by 10% around the rest of the Royal Victoria Place shopping centre. Owners now say there's been more interest from businesses to move into the high street. Councillor David Scott is from the Borough Council. Every high street, not just in the UK, but everywhere around the world is, is suffering this. Uh, and we've got to do something to actually really bolster it. And it's really super, isn't it, that uh, we can have British land there really pulling their weight and helping this town to actually achieve what it should be achieving as a destination town. After all, if we don't have the footfall, we don't have the, the shoppers and we don't have the shops. We've got to keep all of those things moving forward. If we can actually do this, then we can still remain one of the key shopping towns as well as an event town in the whole of the UK. So this is this is good news. We just got to find new ways of doing that and bringing more people into our town so they so others will emulate us it's got to be much broader that really brings people to tunbridge wells and they say hey 
Tunbridge Wells is a fun place to go because I don't know what I'm going to see, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I know if I go there, I'm going to have fun, I'm going to enjoy myself. That's, that's what keeps people coming to the town. Jess Sanchez works at the health spa Simply Float in Tunbridge Wells. It has been noticeably quieter, but it is now picking up again, which is, which is nice. It definitely changed the amount of footfall that we were getting, especially with the car park across the road um, being closed for quite a while. The, the food area looks really, really good and definitely seen a lot more um, footfall since the roadworks have closed and that's opened up. So, yeah, that, that's been good. You can watch KMTV's video report on this story by going to their website. Kent Online News. Four mums from Medway say they're scared to let their sons go out after they were robbed outside KFC. The 13 and 14-year-old friends were approached by a group of eight older lads at the Strood Retail Park on Sunday afternoon and told to hand over money, designer bags and Apple AirPod earphones. Police are investigating. A gang member from Gillingham has been jailed for wearing a hoodie. The 19-year-old is part of the C17 group in Thurrock, who've been banned from wearing hooded clothes except in bad weather. He's been locked up for 12 weeks. Two kittens have been found dumped in Sheerness. Two teenage girls said they saw a man abandon the cats in New Road last night. They took them home before handing them into the care of the RSPCA. A drop-in clinic that's been treating homeless people in Maidstone is being extended for another four months. It's been running as a trial for the past seven months, helping rough sleepers who have things like diabetes, lung disease, wounds or skin conditions and pregnant women. Talks are also underway about launching similar services elsewhere in Kent. And the amount of red wine produced in the UK could be about to increase, thanks to research being done here in Kent. NIAB EMR in East Malling has managed to grow a more disease-resistant grape that can stay on the vine for longer. Dr Julian Lacourt works there. So we produce very little uh, red wines in UK at the moment. We produce uh, 5% uh, of the total production Sorry, is, is, is red wine. Uh, and this is simply due uh, to the difficulty to get uh, fully ripened grapes uh, for the production of this type of wine. And we think that with this new variety called Divico, uh, we, uh, we can make it now. Divico grows very well in our cool climate and uh, it is disease resistant, which does mean we can leave it for a very long time on the cane to fully ripen and, full, and reach what we call the, the phenolic maturity needed to produce high quality red wines. The one we produced last year was uh, very good in terms of quality. Uh, some commercial growers have tasted it and they thought it was so good that they have planted some Divico this year. We have more plantings of Divico coming in the next years, which is very encouraging really. It's very important to first uh, state that we are not trying to copy uh, what has been done in France. We are trying to do something uniquely British, but very good. Uh, and you know we have good wine coming from a lot of different countries in the world. Why not from Britain if we can, you know, if we can make it? So the wine we produced last year was uh, on uh, very mature red fruits, uh, cherry especially. And what was very interesting with this variety it was the the texture of the wine, which was brilliant. It had um, um, a medium to a full-bodied um, texture and it was very silky as well and that's allowed by uh, the very good tannins we can extract from these very ripe grapes. I think the key with this variety is it's, it's quite an early variety so it ripens a bit earlier than Pinot Noir uh, but its disease resistance allows us to leave it for a very long time on the cane. You see we are almost in November now we could, we could leave it like that for quite a long time without having any damage on the, on the berries. Uh, and when we compare it to the Pinot Noir we just have on my, on my left, uh, it's, you know, it's, it's a game changer really, because we can reach full maturity on these grapes. 
So we do uh, perform the you know the usual tests you would uh, you would do in the industry, sugar and acids. We go uh, as well a bit more in depth because we measure the polyphenols. Uh, which are very important for the production of red wines. We measure the color, uh, and then we even go uh, to the production of um, wine now in small quantities, small batches, uh, but with commercial techniques in our newly opened uh, winery at this morning. We have uh, had some uh, growers tasting the wine last year, being very uh, impressed by it, and they have started to plant commercially. So we are going to be able to find wines with this variety or from this variety uh, in the next three years. You can watch KMTV's report on this story on their website. Kent Online Sport. Football and after two decent cup results, Gillingham are back in League One action tomorrow. They welcome Lincoln City to Priestfield off the back of a draw away to Sunderland in the FA Cup and a win in the EFL Trophy midweek. Tomorrow's opponents are level with them on 18 points. Gillingham manager Steve Evans says it'll be a tough match. They're a good side. You know, they were a... Probably three, four weeks ago, there were a little bit of transitions of styles. Going from uh, Danny Cowley, who's gone off to um, Huddersfield, have done a fantastic job, but totally different style to what Michael Appleton uh, is known to play. And we've seen that transition as we've as we've done our research leading up to the game. It's it's more and more Michael's team that we'll play on Saturday, but they're full of good players. Two of them, you know, like Sir Frecklin to the corner, played in my team that went back to back to the championship. So know them well, but John Akindi, who might be on the bench, I'm not sure, but John played for me at Crawley. So I know a lot of them and, and they'll be fierce and tough opponents. And Lincoln are a, a real tough side. They've got some wonderful players in attacking areas. You know, Jack Payne, who we spoke to in the summer, um, we couldn't get near what, what obviously we would have taken to get him here. But he's a wonderful talent. The boy Andretti, who was on uh, Boreham Wood and went up to Lincoln under Danny, has, has done great. So that, but they're full of good players. You know, the, the Frecklins and the Connors there. The top class on and off the pitch. I think we're four points away. The four points being the two games that we led 2-0. <coughs> I think if you lead 2-0, you should you should be in a position to win the game. Um, I don't go on about the games that we think we've been a little bit unlucky because there's been games that we've got something when perhaps we describe ourselves to be lucky. So from that point of view, we're four points adrift. That four points adrift would take us into the top ten, and uh, and we'd be looking very much at that top playoff group. But um, we'd turn the right to be near there. So. The first objective for the group was to, was to get us to mid-table. We can achieve that on Saturday. We're fine. Um, everyone's available. And uh, that's good. When you've only got 19, 20, you need everyone available. But everyone is. Everyone's positive. I think the, the performance in the second half at Sunderland, we just demonstrated what we're capable of. Um, and we've carried that on. The other group carried that on on Tuesday. So we need to carry that forward to Saturday. Good. Steve, after those two decent results, how challenging is it to make sure your side remains consistent? What's the key in order to, to have that consistency going forward? Well, I just think levels of performance. I've, I've always maintained and I always will maintain that performances come first, results follow performances. If, if you're nicking results but you're not performing really well, eventually that stops and eventually it hurts you. If your performances are going in the right direction, then results will come in the right direction. So, so, so performances are, are improving. And when you have a week like that, Tuesday, Saturday, you've got another similar week coming up. Um, how encouraging is it to see good performances from your team? That's good. We, you're right to identify it. We have a big week coming up. You know, we obviously have Saturday against Lincoln. We have Sunderland in the Cup. We have Wimbledon. They're, they're tough games. You know, one's just across the sort of London, and, and we've got a big giant coming in a cup tie, and arguably another giant when you look at their support and how they back them, and, and how Lincoln have turned around the last three or four years. Um, real, real tough seven days coming for us. 
And in the run-up to Christmas, we talk about games coming you know, very quickly, thick and fast. Um, how important is it that you get wins against the likes of Lincoln, who are obviously in and around you? Yeah, it's, it's, it's very important. You know, we said that we, before the Sunderland game, that the next four or five games, you know, up until we went to Sunderland, I think when we got to Sunderland, we just played five out of seven games away from home. So we've been in a real tough run of fixtures. But as I've said to the players, you know, you got halfway through the season, it balances back out, it's the same home and away, no more excuses. And um, the one thing you learn in football is if you give a footballer an opportunity to give you an excuse, he'll give you an excuse. So there will be no excuses come, come when we turn into the January window. People who are playing a part want to go forward and want to play a part, we want them here people that, that can't force themselves in, then we have to look at alternatives. Striker Mikhail Mandron will be hoping to start for the Jills against Lincoln City tomorrow. It's always great we can, when you can get that consistency, you know, when, you, when you're, start, you're starting a few games, you could get into a rhythm, you could get comfortable. And uh, so, yeah, the started on against uh, Sunderland. Hopefully I'll be starting, uh, starting again this weekend, um, but I'm definitely looking forward to the game. Obviously, when uh, you, you, you want to be starting as many games as possible, you know, and uh, but we have a big squad. We've got a, a very good, a very good group of players, and and and, and every everybody's everybody is fighting for their place. Sorry, and uh, but I'm, I'm I'm glad that I, I can help the team in in, in in any way I can. I was starting on, on Saturday. I, I I felt good. Um, I really enjoyed the game, and hopefully I could, I'll be starting on Saturday again. When you play against teams that are in and around you, always. Um, it's always important to put uh, to put a very good performance on and 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 and, get, and, and also get a win. You know, um, uh, uh, as you said, they're just behind us. If we can get a win, we'll be putting some distance between between them and us. So yeah, it'll be a big game. It's very tight, you know, and uh, every game counts. Every single point is crucial. Uh, but we also understand that it's a very long season, you know, and. Um, uh, you can't. You don't really want to get caught up in um, in, in in a short-term type of uh, performances and results because uh, at the end of the day, um, it's at the end of the season. I will see how, how well we've done. So, yeah, just trying to take every game, every game one after the other, and hopefully, hopefully get the three points this weekend. We all know that we, we, we've got some great players, and we're, and I, I, and as we showed uh, throughout the season, we when, when we put um, when everybody's on it and and we put a, a very good team performance, we we, we can rival uh, against any team, you know, and um, and this is what I think if we can get that consistency. And uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure the results will follow as well. Kickoff tomorrow's at three. On to cricket now, and England have lost an early wicket in reply to New Zealand A in their final warm-up match before the Test series starts. The tourists finished the first day on 26 for one after the hosts declared on 302 for six. Kent Joe Denley is part of the team but hasn't batted yet. Meanwhile, Joe Denley is one of two Kent players who've been named in the draft for the 2020. Pakistan Super League. He and Haino Kuhn are both in the diamond category, although only 30 of the 58 players listed will be selected by the teams in December. And the first ever women's football weekend gets underway tomorrow. The FA is encouraging everyone to get out and watch a match as the men take a break from the Premier League because of the international weekend. Nicola's been chatting to Charlotte Richardson, who set up Eighth Wonder, a programme in Kent dedicated to creating football's future 
future female leaders. It's a really momentous occasion having a weekend dedicated to the profile of the women's game. There's been such a huge wave of enthusiasm and support for women's football, and particularly with the success of the Lionesses over recent years and, you know, they're I know they lost, but, you know, their record-breaking crowd at Wembley a couple of weeks ago. So it's brilliant to shine a spotlight on it, to raise awareness, because it is one of the fastest-growing sports um, in the country. So anything that will help make people more aware of the benefits of women's football, what what standard the women's professional game is at now, is, is fantastic. So what's the aim of the weekend? What is it all about achieving? So I think the the premise of the weekend is to really shine a spotlight on the women's game and a lot has been done for the girls game we see a lot of promotion of grassroots opportunities but what's happened in the last few years in this country is the development of professional leagues so the FA's women's super league so the likes of all the premier league teams effectively have women's sides competing in that now and we see them um, hosting games at Stamford Bridge at Anfield so this is really shining a spotlight so people know that not only can they go and enjoy men's football but they can go and enjoy women's games as well and they don't tend to be at the same time they don't tend to be on a Saturday afternoon they do tend to be on a Sunday afternoon or throughout the week so I think the FA are really just putting a fantastic spotlight on the opportunity for football fans to basically go and watch some more football so it's um it's a brilliant occasion absolutely and I mean it I've been to some women's football matches I think perhaps back in the day there was a lot of a oh it's not the same well it is it's just exactly the same as watching a men's game isn't it it's just as competitive it's just as fast it's just as skillful as watching a men's game yes certainly so and I think there's always people always going to be drawn into comparison which is fair enough and people are entitled to their own opinion but technically I think people when they go to watch their first women's game they're pleasantly surprised because there have been preconceptions maybe a few unfair stereotypes around women's football so I know a lot of people that I've taken to games with me um, especially like my younger cousins who they don't see the difference between men's and women's football that's really refreshing it's perhaps the kind of the older generation that maybe have kind of some prehistoric ideas about what what it's like and women's football is brilliant because it's such a welcoming environment particularly for family football as well so anyone that goes to watch a super league game or a game within the county they'll be made to feel really really welcome and it is something that's quite special I think in the last week as well we've seen the England men's and women's teams both hosting games at Wembley and actually more people went to watch the women's game um, when they played against Germany so there's a real shift and I don't think anyone has to pick women's or men's it's just about loving football in general absolutely and and getting out and supporting a local team I suppose because you mentioned there obviously the Premier League sides are involved but we've got local women's teams in Kent as well haven't we we do so we have a fantastic range of senior teams across Kent Gillingham ladies are the highest kind of profile and the highest in the tier and they've played at Priestfield and they played quite a lot of their games at Chatham Town also teams like Kent Football United Margate ladies I think more and more clubs are investing in their women's setup which is again really important because as a football fan I want to know that anyone no matter you know what their sort of gender their age they're being given an equal opportunity by the football club that I support so people can kind of go online have a little research on Google quite a lot of the clubs now have really active social media presences as well so it's not too hard to to find when the next game is going to be on. And it's not just um, the women's players. Obviously, you mentioned about um, the work that you're doing to get um, more women into the game as far as coaches and, and things like that are concerned. How's all that going? It's going really well. We hosted our third development day um, at the end of October and I was blown away by the participants. Real mixture of girls from different clubs across Kent 
all so ambitious and motivated to help make grassroots football in the county stronger, better, more inclusive. We had a fantastic day. We had a range of speakers who showcased careers from sort of sports therapy to media relations, administration. We had some directors from local football clubs as well making decisions on how the game is run. So having looked at all the feedback and everything like that, I think the girls found it really useful not only to meet each other, but to have their eyes open to what the future can hold for them because careers in football are also out there for for women of all ages to be involved with not necessarily just paid roles but volunteering roles too and obviously last season we saw um the first female referee take charge of a champions league final i mean that must have been a great day for for you to see that and um i think she was was she refing the women's match the other week at wembley as well yeah she was so you know trailblazers um particularly with the officials there's a real thing and a lot of research done around women's sport in terms of visibility being so important and it's a phrase that's used quite a lot but you can't really be what you can't see so For young girls to see that a a woman can officiate at that level, women in the men's game, women in the women's game, it's really aspirational. And we had Kirsty Dow, who's a level three referee. She's one of the county's highest ranked um, officials. And she came and did a workshop um, at our eighth wonder day. And quite a lot of the girls in their feedback forms highlighted that that was their favourite section. So again, we're just kind of growing ever more the participation of women and girls in football, whether it's kicking or, you know, refereeing behind the scenes. And it feels like a really positive positive time. And I think actually this country is beginning to be quite innovative and at the forefront of change, which is something to be really proud of. Have you been watching Alex on Strictly and how she's been getting on? Because again, that's another player who's, you know, kind of, she's she's out there, she's, she's taking on a different skill, but showing people what she used to do as well. Yeah, I think Alex Scott, again, is such a great ambassador for you know, life after the game. We see it a lot with male footballers, you know, their whole lives they've dedicated to football and playing. And when that goes all of a sudden, sometimes there's not a lot of options. Working in football, sometimes I don't get home early enough to watch Alex Scott. But the fact that she is a household name, she features on Strictly Come Dancing, it's opening up again women's football to a completely new audience and it's really really refreshing and every time I seem to turn on Sky Sports now and BBC there more often or not is a female pundit which is brilliant because I think all of these different voices and opinions only makes the game more interesting and like I say diversity is really key not necessarily around gender but you know, all elements of football and we need to reflect the society that we live in. That's it from me today. But for more news at any time, you can head to kentonline.co.uk. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast.